relationship that we're created for is our relationship with our Heavenly Father. A joyous, loving, happy, fulfilling relationship. Secondly, we are built for relationship for each other. In the family of God, the Apostle Paul says that we are created one family, one body of Christ, all with separate gifts but joined together by the power of the Spirit. And we are created for relationships with the world, to have rich and full relationships with them that do not know Jesus Christ yet with always the hope that we'll be able to bring them in to a loving and eternal relationship with the Heavenly Father. We are built for relationships. And because that is true, we shouldn't be surprised that the guidebook of life, the Holy Scriptures, says so much about healthy, whole relationships. Ones that will be a blessing, that will refresh our lives. And we should stay away, says the Scriptures, from those relationships that are destructive. So this morning, I encourage you to simply sit back and listen to the words of the guidebook, the Scriptures especially as we go through the book of Proverbs and look at what God says about our relationships. And perhaps you would be so courageous to, to stop and allow the Spirit to search you, to answer such questions as, how are my relationships? Are my relationships healthy or toxic? Am I a good friend? Who am I sharing my heart with? Am I affecting relationships in a positive way or are my relationships affecting me in a hurtful way? Is it helping or hurting my journey, my transformation? May the Holy Spirit add his blessing to the reading of his word. First, on accountability to others and taking advice. Proverbs 10, 17 says, He is on the path of life who heeds instruction, but he who ignores reproof goes astray. The one who despises the word will be in debt to it, but the one who fears the commandment will be rewarded. The teaching of the wise is a fountain of life to turn aside from the snares of death. Proverbs 25 says, like apples of gold in settings of silver is a spoken word in right circumstance. Like an earring of gold in an ornament of fine gold is a wise reprover to a listening ear. On bad company corrupts good character. Proverbs 1 says, my son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. Another translation says, turn your back on them. Proverbs 13, he who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Leave the presence of a fool, or you will not discern words of knowledge. Do not associate with a man given to anger, or go with a hot-tempered man, or you will learn his ways and find a snare for yourselves. On the benefits of fellowship... Better is a dish of vegetables where love is than a fattened ox served with hatred. Iron sharpens iron so that one man sharpens another. Here's the word of the Lord. Would you pray with me? Good and gracious Father, we thank you for this blessed opportunity to come together, the body of Christ, to join our hearts in one relationship to come before you and to offer our love, our tithes, our life. 
We acknowledge the great cost, the great gift of Jesus Christ who makes all things possible. And we know without a doubt, Lord, that we would be lost without you. Forgive us of our failures, of our sins. Cleanse us, Lord, so that your spirit may move through us today so we might know your wisdom and that we might be refreshed. And we will thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. A few weeks ago, we began a a sermon series entitled Refresh, and the hope is that as we continue on in this new year, that we will be refreshed, replenished, fulfilled, anticipating joy. That is God's desire for his children. I'm convinced of it. And and so do you remember some of the, the things that we learned about being refreshed? Do you remember? Number one, we need to let God be God. In other words, we need to understand what we are responsible for, what we can affect, and then allow God to take care of the rest. Number two, we need to be a friend of God if we're going to live the refreshed life. And that means spending time with him, not just praying, not just giving our list, but also listening to what the Spirit has to say to us. And, and then to set your mind on what kind of man or woman that you want to be in 2017. Don't let your iPhone set the course of your life, but rather you set the course. Allow the Spirit to speak to you and then do those things that will fulfill that objective. The second week we talked about the most popular topic in all of the church, and that is to refresh your finances. Thank you for not booing or hissing. I appreciate that so very much. We learned that, and we know that you you cannot live a refreshed life without a biblical understanding of finances. What did the scriptures say? We should avoid debt. We should be very careful about that. We should not be imprisoned, ensnared, enslaved to debt. Secondly, if we're going to live a refreshed life, we want to give. We want to offer our tithes with joy, not because God needs the money. That would be foolishness, but it represents our trust and our faith in our Heavenly Father. And finally, third, we're to pay it forward. We who are the recipients of such incredible gifts How selfish it would be if we did not pay it forward to share what we have given. We pick up today with this theme of refreshing as we consider our relationships and what God says about them. And I hope that you'll internalize this statement. I know that you believe it's true. It's your own experience as well. Relationships will be part of the greatest joys we will ever experience and sadly the most difficult and painful as well. I remember the day that we got married 34 years ago. The doors opened up. It was one of the most beautiful days of my life to be able to to participate, to be joined to this beautiful woman. Like many of you, the greatest, one of the greatest moments of life is when we are married. That's on one end of the spectrum. The most rich relationship. And on the other side, perhaps it is the day when we lose a, a beloved friend or even divorce. Anyone that has ever gone through a divorce knows that it is the tearing of flesh. It is the most painful thing. But we desire, our Heavenly Father desires for us joy to overflowing, that we would avoid the crushing pain of broken relationships. So isn't it simply wisdom that we would turn to the Scriptures and listen to the words of Solomon, the smartest, wisest man to ever walk the earth other than Jesus Christ himself, And listen to what he says, the author of Proverbs. 
Not only that, we believe that these words are guided and sealed by the Holy Spirit for you today. And so the wise one seems to me to be the one that will listen to these words, the words of the Scripture, and not only hear them, but then apply those principles in your life. I was overwhelmed this week as I went through the, the Proverbs and just realized how much God's Word says about relationships. So I just picked three biblical themes about them. The first is this. The Scriptures say, choose your friendships carefully. When I was a young boy back in Colorado, I had a good friend named JP. I was about the sixth or seventh grade, I guess. And, and, and for you of a certain age, you'll understand when I say that JP was a bit of an Eddie Haskell. You know what I'm talking about? For those of you that didn't grow up on Leave it to Beaver, Eddie Haskell was the kid that would come into my house. And man, he was respectful to my parents. He always dressed nice. He always smiled. He was said, yes, sir, yes, ma'am. He was reply, uh, polite and nice. And, 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 but then when it was just JP and I, he turned into kind of a different critter. He stole cigarettes from his parents, and we'd sneak out and we'd smoke them in the field behind the school. And what that meant is he, he stole these camel cigarettes with no filters on them. And uh, what, what that kind of looked like is I would smoke and cough and hack, and JP would laugh at me. That was kind of what that looked like. And I'd sleep over at his house sometimes, and he figured out how to take the screen off the window, and we'd sneak out and to late in the night and probably early in the morning just running around the neighborhood. And I guess by today's standards, that doesn't seem like such a big deal. It's pretty tame, but probably the worst part of it was the fact that I had a secret. I had a secret from my mom and dad. I had lied to them, the people that loved me the most, more than anyone else in the world. But they knew. And one day they called me in and said, Cal, you know what? We, we're not going to let you hang out with JP anymore. And I remember being angry. I mean, I was just angry and I raised my voice, which was always a really bad idea around my dad. I, I raised my voice and I, I told him it wasn't fair. And all they said was stupid stuff like, you know, son, we love you too much to let you hurt yourself. And I thought they were just old and I was smart. They just didn't get it. But you know what? They did get it. A few months later, true story, JP just disappeared. He wasn't in school, but he wasn't sick either. His parents still lived in the same house, but JP was just gone. The whispers around the neighborhood kind of identified what had happened, explained that JP had gotten into some serious trouble. The police cars had come. And he was taken to what we used to call reform school. I never saw JP again. I always wondered over the years, and especially when I became a father, what if my parents had said, hadn't said stupid stuff like, we love you too much to let you hurt yourself? Or insisted that I stopped hanging around him. I wonder if I would have been there the night that the police cars came. I wonder if I'd have been right there with him in reform school. But you see, they, they did get it. They had the strength and the courage to align the, the, the wisdom of the scriptures with my life. Scriptures like, 
Proverbs 13, he who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Leave the presence of a fool, or you will discern words of knowledge, not discern words. And here's the strange thing. Adults around this sanctuary, especially parents right now, are saying amen. And I hope that you're encouraged and strengthened by the words of the Scripture. But listen, I just want to ask you, do we as adults apply those same principles to our lives? Or do we think because we're all grown up that, well, we can, we can handle it? When friends drink and swear and tell off color jokes or probably worse, we might ask ourselves, are we affecting our relationships or are our relationships negatively affecting us? Is this relationship that I'm having, is it helping me in this transformation that I'm on, this, this journey of, of being more like Christ every day of my life, or is it holding me back? Listen to the words of 2 Corinthians 6, the words of Paul. It says, Do not be bound together with unbelievers, for what partnership have righteousness and lawlessness, or what fellowship with light and dark, or what harmony has Christ with Belial, or what has a believer in common with an unbeliever, or what agreement has the temple of God with idols, for we are the temple of the living God. Those are the words when my oldest son, he went on his first date, and I had kind of a, a panic attack as he walked out the door, you know. there I just thought, have I prepared him for this date? Will he be respectful to this young woman? Will he remember what I've taught him? And I cried out from the front door, remember... Wherever you go, you take Jesus with you. <laughs> and I could just see him groan. But it's true. The scriptures say we are to be separate. I will dwell in them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from the midst and be separate, says the Lord. And do not touch what is unclean, and I will welcome you. I love the word here. It says, do not be bound. That word could be literally translated, do not be yoked. And the image is of two similar animals like oxen. It's the same thing that if we went back to Genesis, and, and it's the idea of, of um, Adam needing a helpmate, and that he was going to have this helper, that they were to be equally yoked. They were of similar size. They were bound together. They were heading in the same direction. Now, here's the principle, that as believers, if we are joined to a non-believer, we're, we're pulling in different directions. We have different objectives. We have different ways of living our life, and we are called to be separate, unique, different. Why then would a believer even date a non-believer? Some would say, well, that's, that's just old-fashioned. That's closed-minded. They might even say that by dating a non-believer, then you might, you might bring that non-believer to a knowledge of Christ. You know what? That has not been my experience. My experience is more profoundly that non-believers usually affect the believer, that it's the non-believer that says, oh, can't we just go to the lake? We don't need to go to church on Sunday. Can't we just be separate from the church? That's my experience. And the believer slips away from the body of Christ and slips off that, that path of transformation. I've never been asked to perform a wedding 
of a believer and an unbeliever, and I'm, and I'm glad because I would, I would have to say no. And, and some would say, you know, that's just old-fashioned and that's just closed-minded. No, it, it's, it's being obedient to the Word of God. And it's not that God just sets lines in the sand and he says, you know, because I'm God, I'm going to draw these arbitrary lines. He, he is the Father who loves us just like our Father loved us. I, I hope that's the relationship. And, and said, it's not that I, I'm just drawing lines, but I know What's best for you? What's going to bring refreshing and joy? What's going to keep you away from pain? That's what happens when we are obedient. We can count on the blessings. I know what some of you are probably thinking. It reminds me of a time when I tried to pass the wisdom of my parents down to my youngest son. It's when I tried to pass the wisdom of the scripture down to him. And I called him inside and I said, son, you know, you just can't hang out with this boy anymore. I think he's a bad influence on you. When you guys get together, there's so often trouble. You know what my son said? He responded, boy, it caught me off guard. He said, he said dad... He said, you're always telling us that we need to share Jesus with people. How can I share Jesus with people if you won't let me see my friend? I went, whoa. Wait a minute. I've seen you playing a lot of video games, but I have never heard the name of Jesus come up in any of your conversations. More importantly, the apostle Paul teaches us. He says, do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove the will of God which is good and acceptable and perfect. Don't be conformed. Don't be that cookie cutter. They're going through the big machine, you know, another worldly person, another worldly person, another worldly person. What the goal of our faith is to be is that we are to be transformed, not conformed, transformed a little more like Jesus every day of our life. And so the natural question is, are our relationships helping in that transformational process? Or are they holding us back? Am I going to help someone else? You know, see, you see, of course, we don't want to isolate ourselves. We don't want to, we certainly don't want to come off as superior. But we have to ask ourselves these important questions. I was talking to one of the men of the church, and he went off on a, a business trip a couple of weeks ago, and, and uh, you know, a lot of business trips, sometimes they go and it's just an excuse to, to you know, have a good time. And so uh, they were sitting around the table, he communicated to me, and he said, everyone was ordering drinks, and it came to me, you know, they were ordering their alcoholic beverages, and it came to me, what do you want to drink, what do you want to drink? And, and he said, I don't, I don't want anything, I'm fine. And they all looked at him like, you're crazy, what's wrong with you, what, why aren't you drinking? He simply said, because I'm a Christian and I don't believe it's good for me. You see, that's not coming off superior. That's not isolating ourselves. It's just saying that we are separate. We are different. And he told me at the end of the conversation, as they were headed out, one of his friends or one of the acquaintances came up. I think actually he said too. And he said, you know, they've given, you've given me something to think about today. Are our relationships affecting others in a powerful way. What that means is that we have to be in a place of strength. We have to be in a place of spiritual maturity. Or it's very likely that those relationships are just going 
to drag us down. Our call is to be different and unique, which will lead to joy. A second principle we see in the Proverbs is this. Accept godly counsel. Remember the proverb. The teaching of the wise is a fountain of life to turn aside from the snares of death. He is on the path of life who heeds instruction, but he who ignores reproof grows, goes astray. Has anyone ever pulled you aside quietly and offered a gentle word of counsel? How'd you respond? How'd you respond when someone came up and said, listen, I'm just a little concerned about you. The first thing I thought of when someone, and people have done that over the years, especially since I've been a pastor, and um, want to give that good counsel. And uh, they, they come up, and, and sometimes, you know, the first response is, man, you're just kind of shocked. And, and then maybe, maybe you're kind of hurt. Maybe you get angry. You know, maybe the response over the years is, I don't know why you're acting all high and mighty. You know, I could tell you a few things too. Maybe, you, I don't know how to do that. Oh, no, you didn't. Except that's just not the counsel of the Scriptures. The way of the fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man is he who listens to counsel. How do we respond to godly wisdom when it is gently offered in love? I think first we listen. This is the wealth. This is the joy of having healthy relationships. And if that counsel is offered in true concern, not in manipulation, not in anger, then hold up that counsel to the Scriptures. Is it godly counsel? And if so, then if it passes that hurdle, then, then pray and allow the Spirit to confirm. And if the Spirit confirms, then act and change. Because listen... Listen, God speaks to us in different ways. Sometimes it's that still, small voice. Sometimes it's in those moments of prayer. Sometimes when we open up the Scripture, and, and there it is, a Scripture I've read a hundred times, but now is the time that I see. It's, it's real and it's applicable to my life. I hope sometimes it's through a sermon. Sometimes for me it's often through the music that we hear in the choir. And sometimes it is through a brother or a sister in Christ who loves you and cares about you. And remember how hard it is for that person to come. You might even thank them because they have shown true concern. And that is a rich gift of God. A third principle we see in the Proverbs is this. Be a godly friend. Be a godly friend. The Proverbs are profound on this topic. Listen to Proverbs 12. The godly give good advice to their friends. The wicked lead them astray. Proverbs 27. The heartfelt counsel of a friend is as sweet as perfume and incense. In Proverbs 27, we've heard this already. As iron sharpens iron, a friend sharpens a friend. Are you a godly friend? Are you affecting your relationships? Are you helping others draw closer to Christ? I had a, in my last church, I had uh, two friends, and boy, they were kind of inseparable. Their, their families hung out together. They'd known each other for about 20 years, and, and, uh, and one of them called me. He said, Pastor, I'd like to have lunch with you. I need to tell you something. And, and so he called, and, and uh, we went out to lunch and had a great time, and always did. And, and he said, uh, he said, Pastor Cal, I just want to tell you that uh, I'm a little bit sad, but 
but I've accepted a job in another town. It'll be a couple months, but we'll be leaving. And, you know, it's always a, 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 a moment where you're a little torn. You're happy that the Spirit has led them to another place, and a promotion, and, and then you're sad to see them go. And, and, and uh, my friend said, listen, I don't tell anybody yet. I haven't even told the place where I'm working right now. I don't want it to get back to them. I want to do it on my own terms. And, and I said, certainly. And then my friend got a little quiet. He looked down. I said, what's wrong? He said, well, you know, me and this person, we're great friends, and we've known each other for 20 years. Our families have done everything together. And Well, I told her a while back. I said, please don't tell anybody just as I asked you. I'll never forget the words. He said, but I guess the news was just a little too juicy. And so she went and told a couple other families in the church, and they came back to me. She said, he said, you know, I know that we'll always be friends, but I don't know how I'm going to get over her telling. It's not surprising because Proverbs 16, 28 says, a troublemaker plants seeds of strife. Gossip separates the best of friends, but a godly friend will keep a confidence. A godly friend would never say anything like, well, I should never say anything, but. Have you ever heard those words coming out of your mouth? Just, just stop then. Because you desire to be a godly friend. A godly friend, one that will pray for you. A godly friend is one that will pound on the gates of heaven for you and your family. James 5.16 says the effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. A godly friend will give godly counsel even, even when it's hard. Proverbs 27, 6 says, Wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. But, oh, friends, make sure that it's godly counsel. Make sure you have prayed and know it is of the Spirit. Make sure that it is the counsel is aligned with the Scriptures. Because over the years, so much damage has been done as the voice of the Spirit has been confused with the personal desires and preferences of another. But it is of the Spirit then be strong and courageous and speak the truth gently and speak it with love. Because the greatest joys that we will have in our entire life are in our relationship as well as the deepest hurts. The greatest and most important relationship is the one that we have with our Heavenly Father. And the second one is this, that we love one another that we are in deep relationship, that we can trust, that we can bond together, that we take away anything that would separate us. And third, that we would be those strong friends, mature in our faith, so that we could go out into the world, not isolated, but rather mature Christians, always with the desire to share our faith. This is where wholeness is. This is where joy is. And in this process, may we be refreshed. Would you pray with me? Holy Father, we thank you so much that you have given us so much. You have made a way to have a whole loving and eternal relationship with you 
through the sacrifice, through the cross of Jesus. We thank you. We thank you for the peace that comes when we pray in the Spirit, in relationship. We thank you for the grace that we can feel as we ask for your forgiveness. We thank for the wholeness and the refreshing that we can have in relationship with you. And we thank you for one another. Lord, it just even this moment I'm reminded of all the times in the fellowship hall where there has been this joyous sound of, of talking among brothers and sisters, of, of friendship, of laughter. And we know that you are the creator and the giver of this precious gift. Help us, Lord, to be good friends. It is overwhelming to me that John 15, 15 says, No longer did Jesus call us servants, but he calls us friends. Help us to be a good friend to you, to one another, and to a world that so deeply needs to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. We pray these things in the strong and perfect name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. As I wrote this sermon, I had this one fear that just kind of kept coming on, and, and that is that we as people of faith would understand that to be separate would mean to isolate ourselves from the world that so badly needs to hear 